A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Jonathan Northcroft of the Sunday Times and David Walker of the Daily Mirror. Romelu Lukaku reckons he's joined the biggest club in the world with the best stadium and the best fans. The usual script, in other words. He'll be under pressure at Manchester United, but for his agent, Mino Raiola, it's another nice little earner. Around £10 million by all accounts. That can't be right, can it? Well, football's not right the way it deals with transfers. And I think Raul is a symbol of, of, of where we are because I think increasingly these super agents like him, like George Mendes, are almost being used as, as, as directors of football by, by certain clubs with whom they've got big relationships. Yeah, Wolves, for, for example. Wolves with, yeah. with, with, with Mendes. Now, mm. you know, a properly <coughs> run sport, properly run business would, would have people in it working actually for the club rather than the the players doing these, these jobs. And I remember Ed Woodward taking over and the first summer uh, he was there at United telling us all, I don't really need to deal with agents because we're Manchester United. If we sign somebody, then you know people will want to pay for, play for us. We don't need agents. And here he is, you know, three years later, four years later, I think having signed five, five Raiola players. That said, I think, I think Raiola is maybe slightly misunderstood in that uh, he, he's become a symbol of, of, of the money agents can make. But for me, he's actually, in terms of his clients, he's probably one of the better ones because what you, you have to admit, he gets some incredible moves, he makes some incredible money, he makes them incredibly famous. And it isn't right that he takes so much of a, of a cut, but uh, I think he is, he is at least putting players in the places they want and he's been good for their careers. If you look at Zlatan and his relationship, Mendes, um, maybe with the Ruben Neves transfer to, to Wolves, maybe that's not the right move. So I think uh, I'm not justifying Raiola having taken £70 or £80 million pounds out of Manchester United in the last few years. But at least he gets his players what they want. Necessary evil then? Well, Mark, I remember it's 15 years ago this summer sitting down with a, an agent with a fairly notorious background who explained to me that the way that the world transfer market would head would be that a group, and it would be a select group of two or three agents, would run the world mm -hmm. transfer market. And he actually compared it to a merry-go-round at the fairground mm -hmm. and that the horses that went round, you could imagine, were the clubs and that the agents would decide who the wow. jockey was to put on there. Wow. And when the time was right, they would manipulate the situation and the fairground would keep going around the merry-go-round until they decide stop now and there will be two or three horses mm. changed with the jockeys that they wanted to go on so one move would trigger another would mm. trigger another etc 
this was his vision and belief that it was actually starting in Italy back then. Mm. Right? Now, if you look at it, I'm not suggesting that Minorola or anybody at this moment is controlling the whole thing. I think they are still attempting to do that. Mm. But that, that vision of the control of agents on a world transfer situation and the facts that the clubs, as Ed Woodward said, <laughs> Manchester United are not controlling that. And, and no. in defence of Minorola on one thing... Manchester United didn't actually pay him the £40 million no, pounds on, right. on, on that that's one. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was because of the Italian club that had done the deal. Juventus were paying it as if you get over that. Mm. It's absolutely ludicrous, Mike, the, the, the sheer quantum, but also the volume of money being transferred across international boundaries is part of the reason why you've got all this international mm. ownership of clubs and the money moving round and the fact is that the agents are a third party to it. So the genie's out of the bottle, Johnny. Mm. What about the role of Paul Pogba in this? Because it's yeah. like it's it's like a sort of baller's bromance, isn't it? It is. One? It is, and and actually, he's probably has, has been more important than Mino Raiola in this particular transfer. Um, I mean, a bit of background on Pogba uh, on on Lukaku is although he has you know Raiola as his agent, I believe he does listen to other people for advice, and I think he's got guys in Belgium who he's had relationships long-standing business relationships with. So there was a point where it looked like Raiola might lose control of this situation. And I think the key thing has been this this bromance, this, this friendship with Pogba. And it's one of those things that you, you, you kind of kick yourself when you look at it. But we've been, for, a week, for about a week, we've been looking at pictures on social media of Pogba and Lukaku hanging out in Beverly Hills and going to clubs and here's a red Rolls Royce. And then we're surprised that uh, he ends up at Manchester United. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it does rather sound like he, he expected to go to Chelsea. He went away with his mate. And, uh, you know, as, as you do, sitting over, uh, sitting by the swimming pool in Beverly Hills, you, you, you cook up a different idea. But I, 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 it's quite nice. I think it's quite nice. I mean, it, it, it's old-fashioned in a way, just in a very, very different sort of context. Mm. He's going to play for his mate's club. But as I said earlier, he's going to be under pressure. He's got to produce. Oh, yeah. Is he good enough to live up to the hype? I think you're going to find out now, Mike. Mm. I, I do think that um, if you look at individual games as much as is it... So, saying he, well, he gets 25 goals in a season, mm. great. That's the starting point. That's what gets you the move. It's when you then go into Champions League matches and you're playing an Italian defence and what you're going to do mm. there against the best, it's the challenges. Can he step up to the next level and really deliver there? Now, for instance, as a young player, Wayne Rooney did that at Manchester United. Mm. I think you've seen it down the years, others who have struggled to find the game. Now, weirdly, the one thing that intrigues me about this Lukaku deal is that so soon after selling him and thinking he wasn't up to it, and yeah. where you've still got the background of, well, is he the real McCoy, the top-notch? Jose Mourinho has made the, mm. made the shout, get me Lukaku, I'll do it, and that sort of money. Mm. So Jose is another one who's also under pressure mm. to back his judgment on a player that only three years ago he deemed not up to it. Well, he's almost a contradiction in terms. I remember seeing him uh, a lot playing development football for Chelsea. Mm. And... You know, I, I, in fact, I, when I was sitting here, I basically said he was the worst £18 million player I'd ever seen. <laughs> right. Now, OK, I got that wrong. But if you look at his game, mm. there are definitely flaws in his technique. His temperament sometimes has, has been under question. His type of runs. The one thing he does is score goals, and he's, he's yeah. very clinical in front of goal. Is that enough? Well, I share all the doubts about him. Um, but I think... 
at United's point where they are, I think they need they need to start finishing off teams. They need the help of somebody that's going to score a lot of goals for them. I also think they need more to, to be able to do what David says and, and compete and in the top level against those tighter defences in the mm. Champions League. I actually think they need another forward. But Correct. I agree with that. What they're doing is trying to guarantee themselves that those games against Burnley and Bournemouth, that they were drawing nil-nil last year, but they were creating 20 chances. Mm. Well, Romelu Lukaku is going to win those games. Well, you've got seven against Bournemouth in two yeah. games. Yeah, correct. That's got its do, own Do you know something? And again, I, I know, I understand the sincerity of Paul Pogba's yeah. statement on this. Paul Pogba was quoted from from California making the case. People say we were boring to watch last year, and we didn't do this, and we didn't entertain. But look at the medals end of the season. We won mm. three trophies, which does include the Community yeah. Shield. But that's you know we got three trophies, and he's right. They've got mm. three trophies, but under the terms of what Samat Busby laid down and what Alex Ferguson accepted was his inheritance and mm. challenge. And I'm not claiming that every week and every year Man United were thrilling with Alex there, but overall that the, the mm -hmm. body of work there was an excitement to the way that his teams would play, and he recognised the yeah. challenge. I'm afraid for Paul Pogba and even for Jose Mourinho, if you're going to say, well, it's win at all costs and we don't care about yeah. what the entertainment factor is, we've got this medal, yeah. I'm not sure that will last that long, as mm. Louis van Gaal found yeah. out. It's the wrong, it's the yeah. wrong yeah. club. It's, it's absolutely. The wrong club to that Winning with style is a vital part of the DNA of Manchester United. But Old Trafford next season is going to be land of the Giants, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I, mean, I mean, do you think of the, the physical... Um, sort of threat they're going to pose set pieces you think of how, how tough they're going to be it's classic Jose Mourinho stuff because that, we know that he likes big strapping athletes now he's got them almost all over the pitch um, you know Lindelof and Bailly are going to be a pair of giants at the back it's not so long ago Daley Blind was, was Manchester United centre back you know they've, they've got two classic big stoppers he's looking for a big central midfielder whether it's, whether it's Eric Dyer or, or, or um, even a, try to hijack the back of Yoko thing he's looking for somebody big in that position um, Nemanja Matic. So yeah, it's going to be a team with some amount of physical force. Um, it's not necessarily going to be that romantic football that, no. that, that you're talking about, David. Mm. No, and by the way, mm. that's where people either buy into it or don't. Yeah. I, mm. I do accept totally if he was to say do a mm. double next year and they win the league. Mm. A lot of people say, well, that's it. The end justifies yeah. the means. I but mean, it, traditionally, it's not done that. What about Wayne Rooney? Mm. Let's look beyond the, the froth and nonsense about you know sleeping in Everton in pyjamas for the last 13 <laughs> years. Let's sum him up now. Yeah. 253 goals. To be at the top for that long and with that amount of scrutiny on him, do we give him the respect that maybe he deserves? We don't. No, we're stuck in, a, in the time warp of 2004 where we thought he was going to be you know, the White Pelly or whatever. We thought he was going to be England's first you know truly world-class player for a, for a generation or more and you know perhaps he didn't quite fulfill uh, at the top top end what we thought he might he's also been unlucky to live in the era of Messi and Ronaldo where they've set the bar far higher than, than, than previously for for what superstars produce in terms of goals and so on 253 goals in 13 years suddenly doesn't seem that that much um, he's got enormous mental resilience as uh, you know to, to had so many ups and downs, but but just monotonously kept going at United. Um, he's won everything there is to win. 
if you speak to the, the, the players, you could see some of the reaction to him leaving. It was very sincere about how much respect he has among those who play <coughs> with him. I remember Michael Carrick saying to me that when you got the ball in midfield, there was absolutely no better sight than Wayne Rooney in front of you because he, was all, he would never hide, always show for the ball, and he'd be making a run. And if it wasn't a run to penetrate, it would be a selfless run. And, and you know, Carrick sort of said, not, not all of the strikers you play with are like that. Um, there's a lot to respect Wayne Rooney for, um, but I think his career is a bit unfinished at the moment. And, and what this is going to do is, 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 is maybe give us the ultimate verdict on his career. If he can go back and have a, an Indian summer and achieve something with Everton, then I think greatness really is nailed down. How likely is that, David, you think? Well, I, I, I am very impressed by Ronald Koeman. I ghosted a column we did with him last summer through the Euros. His ideas, his knowledge, you know, what he's trying to do and the way he can convey it, and should we say his, his sort of opinions, his verdicts mm. on things are very sharp. And I hear from people within the game that if you go around different clubs, he and probably Pochettino are seen as the two outstanding technical coaches out mm. in the coaching you know, rather than mm. having entertaining training sessions, Koeman is actually teaching young I, players. I spent how a to day with him. I spent mm. a day with him when he was at Southampton and what really struck me about him was that you know, we've all been in training grounds and it's all, you know, Bantasaurus stuff, isn't it? Mm. You know? yeah. <laughs> Whereas it was very scholastic, very mm. quiet. They got on with their job. They knew what they needed to do and he didn't brook any nonsense. No. With Rooney going into that situation, can Rooney's experience rub off on what is looking like a pretty young team next season? Well, I think there's two sides to that, Mike. One, he sat down, I think it was last Wednesday, but... Rooney and Kuma meet and Rooney has expressed his hunger to prove a few points mm. and to buy into this but Kuma has made it clear such as no guarantee of a first team place mm. if you're not playing and the challenge Everton have got which is <clears> not dissimilar to Manchester United last season in that you've got Europa League coming up mm. Thursdays and potentially some tough you know Premier League games following it on a Sunday a lot of emerging young players and I think Koeman will be quite open to supporters for them to know I'm going to go with this on a Thursday night and then we're going to be playing a, a slightly or heavily different team on a Sunday but you can see where people are going to develop. Now if Rooney buys into that he can be alongside a couple of other key players that they've got there with Ashley Williams and Phil Jagielka uh, and Gareth Barry, senior players who can tutor those youngsters too, but th he believes in developing hungry fighter, hungry kids who can play, and he's done it. He's done it everywhere he's been. And to be fair, my just one final point on Ronald Koeman, throughout his his managerial career, be it from Ajax when he took on Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Mido, the Egyptian striker, through to Valencia where he was asked to shake up an ageing squad and the local media were backing mm. the old players and he said, no, no, you've got to change. It cost him his job in the mm. end, but he believed that he needed to promote Juan Mata and others. Th right the way through to, you look at Saido Mane at uh, yeah. Southampton yeah. Lake for things, you're out of the team. If there is any messing around yeah. off the field by any of them, it's not just there's a, a Wayne Rooney rule, Ronald Koeman will crack down on anything if people don't buy into what he believes is the right way to run his club. And that's why I think Everton have got a chance mm. and Wayne yeah. Rooney has a chance of success mm. in that bigger picture. And if you're a young defender like Michael Keane, yeah. who I think is an England yeah. centre-half, almost, almost cooked now, mm. you're going to learn something from Koeman. Because of his playing career? Oh, 
undoubtedly, and I know, I know when Keane uh, decided to, to join Everton, he sat down with his brother and watched a 30-minute YouTube video of, of Koeman defending and Koeman's greatest hits and, and you know, just sat there open-mouthed didn't realise exactly how, mm -hmm. how good this fella was. Um, he has got huge standards and, and uh, there's, there's, there's almost like a shadow team being developed at Everton. You know, I think there's, there's, mm -hmm. there's, there's your Tom Davis, Calvert-Lewin, Lookman, uh, John Joe Kenny, uh, now Sandro Ramirez. I can see the philosophy there is almost to have two sides. The, the one that's going to maybe be the senior Premier League team and, and then a younger group that are going to come and put a lot of pressure on, on those older guys. Um, and if you know, if Rooney can be got into the right state, the, those younger players are going to learn a lot of him. How to handle... I, I think that's a big else. thing, Jonathan. Yeah. The, if Rooney can get in the right state, yeah. because we've not actually seen the best of Wayne Rooney for the best part of 18 yes. months now, <laughs> through a variety of things, injury, selection, yeah. whatever, but he's petered out. And the one thing that Alex Ferguson used to say, which Wayne Rooney confirmed, is... Wayne is a lad who needs games. He needs to get his yeah. match sharpness or keep it up. He needs to be played and played again. And he actually revels in the matches rather than thinking, oh, I've had three or four, now rest me. He wants to play and that's how you keep Rooney as sharp as he can be. If we assumed that Man United and Everton are to an extent in a win-win situation here, mm. the big losers are Chelsea. Yeah, mm. What is happening with Conte, do you think? He must be doing his nut. Yeah, I mean, on, on Marzi's side, they, they call it the fume. You know, I think he's doing the fume at the moment. Um, he is in a different situation to, to, to Jose Mourinho um, and Ronald Koeman in that, uh, despite having won the league, I don't think he's got as much power at, at, at his football club as they might have at their football clubs. Uh, and this summer's the, the, the real test of it all because, he's, you know, he, he's also quite a restless character and wasn't satisfied despite what he did last season with mm -hmm. the squad and blah, 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 the support. Um, and then to go off on holiday and, and come back and, and find, in his absence, the transfer window starting to unravel in terms of mm. plans. Um, you know, we're, we're led to believe that he's, he's, he's pretty furious, he's pretty livid about this. Um, I'd say that if he doesn't get a pretty stellar uh, alternative to Lukaku, he's going to be right on the brink because he's, he's not a guy that, as he's shown in his career, walked away from Juventus in mm. the end. He's not a guy that is going to make nice. That just isn't who Conte is. And you know something, Lukaku is quite, well, we think now the embarrassment. Mm. Twelve months ago, some senior figures at Chelsea were briefing they were going to get him back then. Yeah. And I remember putting That's it right. to Ronald Koeman was arriving at Everton. He said, no, no, no. A, I don't want him to go and he's got three years of a contract mm. to run. And B, let's just see what happens once he starts working with me. But and they were, but Chelsea were adamant. Lukaku will come here last summer. Yeah. Then this time it's got even crazier with the... Done deal, you know. Chelsea will get Lukaku, and they, and it's it's drifted yeah, yeah. away again. There was an element, you know, that Tony Rudiger signing yeah, was yeah. almost rushed out to, yeah, to give yeah. someone. Oh yeah, we are, we are getting players in. To your point about you need a striker, will they have to go for absolute top well, dollar like a Griezmann or someone like that? The, yeah, the, this is or, or a Bemayang or something. This is a real test for Chelsea because I think what, what maybe isn't noticed about them is that they are no longer. The, the, the club that pays the big fees. In fact, they're, they're probably fourth in terms of fees they pay these days, third or fourth, you know. Well, they, they brought in, what, 50, 60 million by selling oh, yeah. the academy products. They balance the books these days, Chelsea. Yeah. They're, they're a very business-orientated club. I think, you know, they, they, haven't, they haven't even done what Arsenal have done in terms of, of, of fees. Yeah. They've got, it's, a, it's been a very 
very, very successful philosophy because it's allowed them to win titles despite changing mm. managers. But the market has gone crazy in terms of the, how much you've got to pay even just to get a, a really decent player like sure. Lukaku, let alone a top, top player. Well, but when you think of it, when Roma Abramovich arrived mm. and we all wrote, this is the end of the transfer market mm. as we know it because one club mm. will sign who they want, when mm. they want him, and it was mm. Chelsea because Abramovich mm. would back the manager, whoever it was at the time, and go, Bosch, here we go, mm. come and play for me, yeah. this is the deal. And they got this status. Then, of course, it becomes Manchester City are the big threat because mm. of what they've got with their ownership and the, the way that the owners can affect sponsorship directly into the club to meet mm. any UEFA legislation yeah. UEFA want to introduce. And suddenly Manchester City are the top dogs. And now you've seen the thing with Manchester United yeah. coming back, yeah. who you would have said 15 years ago, they're the biggest before uh, Roman Abramovich's arrival, that they're going, hang on, we're sitting on the biggest commercial for in the world. Yeah. Nobody commercially can yeah. top them at the moment. And Edward Wood can't lose as long as his manager gets him to sign the right players. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and Chelsea this summer lost one of the top youth players over, over money to, to Liverpool, Dominic yeah. Solanke. Mm -hmm. So th this is where Chelsea have shifted to in the, in the pecking order. And, and what they're going to have to decide now is... Do we rip that up and go back to the big spending days? Because we might need to do that has there been by an, manager. Has there been an element of complacency, do you think? Yeah, I, 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 certainly with Lukaku, it, it, it seemed mm. certain for them. And, and they are probably hardballed over, over money. And, and, you know, you could also say, in fairness, they, they haven't just given Mino Raiola what he wants. Um, but, yeah, they, they, the, the complacency on, on Conte's part too, because mm. the text message to Diego Costa was sent thinking that he was about to replace him and, and, and he's found out that he, that he isn't. So they, 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 they have to have an inquest into this. Mm. Do you think uh, Costa will end up going to Atletico Madrid? You know, he hasn't turned up for training. He hasn't been asked to turn up for training today, which is Monday, no, no. Um, which is their first day back. But can they afford to let him go now? They can't afford to let him go at the moment, Mike. You think... Jonathan's sort of alluded to there that the damage has been done. Is it an irreparable situation? Mm. But we've seen worse things than this because because the circumstances force. And you go, do you know what? Could well, it's an unlikely scenario. But could I see Costa staying mm. till the January window when Atletico Madrid can sign people? Mm. Yes, I could. If that's what Chelsea had to do, that would not be the ideal. They would want to clear him out the door and bring in, and I'm sure that's what they're desperately trying to do for Conte. And this this brings us it's funny, but it brings us back to where we started on the power of agents. Because mm. who's Diego Costa's agent? But but George Mendes, who yeah. his his other one of his more famous clients is is, is probably pretty happy at how this is unraveling yeah. at, at Chelsea. And you know Mendes has, has has played the PR game on Costa's behalf. Yeah. Pretty craftily. And can I just also flag one thing up to you, which again ties with where we've been. People quickly forget Wayne Rooney's transfer to go to Manchester City yeah. when he, th he thought that United lacked ambition in the mm. transfer market and Alex Ferguson went absolutely wild about this and accused him of being put up. It was just a moneymaker mm. for the player and his agent. That, at that point, Fergie persuaded him to stay. Yeah. Then at the end of Fergie's reign, Fergie was leaving out the team, and Mourinho thought he was going to buy him for Chelsea yeah. at that point. <laughs> so we end up looking at these players who've had these long runs of, at a club as Wayne mm. has had, but how close he came and wanted to be, but more mm. to the point, how you can calm the thing, calm the troubled water and get them to stay. 
if you're minded to do that. Mm. The player, the power is in the hands of the player and the agent. Mm. You're Arsene Wenger. Oh, Alexis Sanchez wants £400,000 a week. Yeah. Do you just hand in the cheque? I don't think you do. And I, I love Sanchez as a player. I really love Sanchez. But what he's asking for at the moment is, is extraordinary. And it is suggesting that, that, that his motivation is pretty simple now. He's achieved almost everything in his career, probably everything in his mind, because he's won things with Chile. He's 29, and his priority at the moment is to get 400 grand a week, 25 million. I know, I know he asked Bayern Munich for 25 million euros a year. And there is a point where you have to say no. Um, and I think, that is the, I think that is the point for Arsenal. Don't, don't you think those demands to Bayern Munich might have been part of the game to get him to, to the get club? Him, to yeah. get him to the real club. I mean, I yeah. was told a few weeks yeah. ago that the, he, will, he is intent, because of what they'll pay him, of getting to Manchester yeah. City. Mm. Manchester City now, Arsenal are not going to run and do a deal with them very easily, if it happens at all. Mm -hmm. But there was one way, which is get Bayern Munich to get the fee set knowing you can go and speak to Bayern Munich yeah. legitimately, knowing that we will blow anybody out of the water that sets the thing and you're mm. going to end up coming to Manchester City. It smacks to me mm. of a late August transfer. You've got yeah, absolutely. You've got it in absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And the issue still is for Arsenal and their supporters, the club would face a backlash, remembering the Robin Van Persie yeah. scenario, mm. if Alexis Sanchez rocks up at Manchester mm. City. But the way it was painted to me as the... The game that was being played along this, so far, it is working that way. The one, th the one thing in Arsenal's favour, if they really wanted to go Brinkmanship, they've gone for another year. Uh, now, Sanchez strikes me as very like Luis Suarez in his mentality, and I remember Liverpool, when ironically it was Arsenal who thought they'd got Suarez, yeah. digging the heels in and keeping Suarez. And this was at a point where Suarez was rebelling and training and mm. booting the ball away when Rodgers was trying to put on sessions and stuff like that. But what they gambled on was his insatiable appetite to, to get on the pitch and just play football. And, and you can see that in Sanchez. So I think if Sanchez was left um, in 1st of September, 2nd of September, still an Arsenal player without his big move, I think he does love football enough that they could get him back on the pitch and get him to try really hard for a season. Mm. So Arsenal have got a player in, uh, Lacazette. Highest chance conversion rate in mm. Europe's top five leagues. Mm. Goodbye. Yeah, I think he's a goodbye. I think there was, um, I think in Wenger and his recruitment team, there was a view. They looked at Mbappe, but realised the actual cost and you know how much that was going to be on top of salary um, and the fee was colossal. And some people then started suggesting, was he going to do both? I don't think it was ever going to be Lacazette and Mbappe. It was one or the other, and he's got the one now in terms of the uh, the big attacking threat. Um, if we're saying is that enough to transform them from where they are into being next season champions, I would probably say no. Um, mm. They've still got more work, more recruitment to be done. But don't forget, if we're looking at this a year or so ago, they'd finish runners-up, mm. and uh, yeah, with the right deal there, you thought, are they going to move oh. on, and kick on, and be and be potential champions? And it's just not worked like that, has it? He's mm. going hard for Thomas Lamar. He's putting a third bid. Looks like about yeah. forty-five million. Yeah. Monaco are saying they won't mm. sell, but usually you know, money screams mm. at them, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and, and, and that's why people keep coming back for their players again and again, because of how they operate. Um, 
Lamar, I have to say, of, of, of all those Monaco players, he's, he's, he's probably the one that's impressed me least. I'm not saying he's not a good player, because I'm comparing with some really brilliant talents. Mm. But And I I'm, I'm, you know, also acknowledge I've only seen them a few times in the flesh against England and against Manchester City. But, but he was the one that I felt maybe wasn't quite as brilliant as, mm. as, as, as some of the others. Um, and I just wonder why they, they're not going for Riyad Mahrez. I was going to say, I, think, that, I yeah. think that's the... For me, that's the fail-safe end-of-game position. So there's all this happening. I hear Leicester insisting it be £50 million, which, understandably, mm. Arsenal aren't going to pay. But I would have thought £35, £40 yeah. million Is there an failed. attitude problem there, though? Hey, there may well be, Mike. And, and that... Um, you know, you can you know you can pick flaws in people mm. and see what they're doing. But in terms that seems to be the vibe that's coming yeah. out of Leicester, doesn't it? Yeah, his attitude is: if there's a problem, it's more that he's just a very laid-back character. It's not that he's got particular; he's not he's not particularly egotistical. You know, it's not laziness, but he is late. He is kind of laid back. He's, he's you know he's famous at Leicester for even sleeping in the dressing room before a game. He'll go and have a nap and they'll wake him up to go out and play. <laughs> he's, a, he's a funny funny character. Um, but this is a guy that was Player of the Year, you know, 2016. He's a sensational He's a, talent. He can play. He, he can, can play. play. If, uh, you know, t him inspired, Riyad Mahrez is, is a fantastic asset. Yeah. You know, a league-winning asset. And yeah. I think a top manager, has, like Wenger, has to back himself to, to inspire someone like that. Mm. What about <clears throat> across North London, David? Mm. Um, Spurs are making a great point of saying we won't sell Eric Dyer to Manchester United under it any circumstances, no. well, we'll see how that one works out. But they are taking a completely different line in this transfer market, aren't they, to anyone else? They're not throwing money about. And ha have taken a different line in recent years in that a lot of the, shall we say, unsung younger players that they've recruited from other clubs, mm. be it in England or abroad, with the right coaching have been and been given a chance and have progressed for them, such as Eric Dyer. Mm. You know, these people have come in and done well. I think that... If you've got great recruitment staff, so they're finding the raw talent, you've got a chance. I think if you've got a coach like Pochettino, who undoubtedly does tutor them properly and introduce them into what he really wants and has that vision he can share with them, you've got a real chance of success. Now, I salute Tottenham for not just going, oh, I want to put another 60 million, 70 million on the table for this. The bit that troubles me and always has done is, and we've seen it in the past, Daniel Levy will say he's not for sale, he's not for sale, he's not, oh, how much? Oh, yeah. you know, and it's the sort of last day of the transfer yeah. window. So the Berbatovs were never going to leave for, at all, whether, you know, and they end up yeah. at the last minute going. So that's the danger. And if I was Pochettino, I'd just be saying to the chairman, chairman, stick with us, be on side in this mm. and back me because we'll have a really good team. The other slight issue, and I know it's that Tottenham's board have insisted the uh, funding of the stadium will yeah. not affect him. But we saw that with Arsenal, and then, mm. you know, retrospectively, they admitted they'd had impinged on what they could mm. spend. Mm. Full enough, you've got the same thing with Chelsea coming up, yeah, where, right. you know, yeah. we're talking about Absolutely. earlier about why would Chelsea have to make it a break even budget and be much more sensible? Well, full enough, they want to fund a 60,000 mm. stadium in, in London. Mm. Could the two things be related? Because <laughs> speaking to a lot of people within the England setup in the last couple of weeks, developmentally, the age group teams have done really well. Yeah. You know, the under-19s are in their semi-final this week. The question is that everyone's asking is, uh, it's brilliant, these kids are coming through, but will they ever play? Mm. They've got more chance of playing at Tottenham, it seems to me, than almost yeah. any other club. Absolutely. And, it's, you know, what, what they the can't quite answer is, you know, if Pochettino was at another club, would there also be players 
coming through and doing what Eric Dyer and Deli Ali and, and, mm. and Kane have done? That's a real question because, you know, if if that level of talent's there, but it, it's just not being put on the pitch, that, that, no. that's that's a can I give you a stat on that? In the last four years, fifty-four percent of England's new caps <laughs> have come from Southampton or Tottenham, mm. with one man in charge. Yeah, really. Wow, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, and and, and the, if you look at the under twenties and winning the World Cup and realising that they're going to go in the under-21s. And then you look at that under-21 team and realise that a year later, developmentally, those players have suddenly played three times less than the guys in the Spanish team in terms of minutes on the pitch mm. Mm. and almost three times less than the German guys. Mm. So, so that under-20 group is, 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 is going to be a test case now. In a year's time, are they just going to you know, be on loan or, or mucking about in, in and, and, football? And the other thing is, Mike, it is... Definitely a case of them in the mind of the manager, coach, whatever, in that why is it that Pochettino can see potential in those kids at Southampton, who funnily enough Ronald Koeman mm. succeeded mm. at and was working with, and that Koeman can go to Everton and see young scousers mm. and you know some of the kids yeah. they've got Absolutely. and give them the chance Absolutely. and actually go, hey, I'll be patient with them. And yet so many other top managers are saying, I want nothing to do with this. I, yeah. I just don't want to give them. A, a, they're not ready for me for what I'm trying to do, and they get and they get swept away. So, so what do you, you make of Manchester City, Johnny? Because you know I've seen their development size, mm. and they've got some fantastic mm. kids of sort of 14, 15. Mm. Uh, in the under 17s, you've got people like Jaden Sancho, that's Foden. Right. That's right, yeah. You know they are going to be real players. The suspicion is always going to be, despite the £200 million academy, mm. they're not going to play for Manchester City. Yeah, they, they've got to get these boys on the pitch now. And they've got a manager who made his name in, in, in you know, first of all with Barcelona B, with the younger players, mm. and then as, as a great teacher, as a great educator of, of, of football players. So if, if Guardiola can't put them on the pitch, then that's a terrible yeah, indictment so for them. And if Manchester City are to fulfil the, the destiny that they, they want, then they have to get them or on the pitch. Or they've blown a load of money on that or development programme that's been wasted because you might as well have kept it for cherry-picking the world absolutely. transfer market. That, that, you know, that's the canoe. Mm. I mean, the other one, you, you mentioned a player earlier, Mike, and this, I thought this sums up what goes wrong. Michael Keane played yeah. in the 4-0 defeat to MK Dons yeah in the yeah. League Cup mm. for Van Gaal when there were a load of younger players on there mm. and basically they had a nightmare night. It was mm. appalling. That was his chance and that's it and he just that's gets right. swept away and thank goodness for yeah. Burnley, you know, giving the chance to resurrect his career there yeah. and become an England player. But you just think how many others around that thing where they're on the fringes and on one game just and, get turfed and, out. And a kid called Deli Alley's playing yeah, on the other absolutely. side. Who nobody like buys except Tottenham. Tottenham, mm. for, for good money. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think we're in a situation where, if you look at City, for instance, it's going under, under mm. the radar slightly mm. at the moment. They're going to push about seven players out to Girona. Yeah. Mm. They've got a strategic link with Breda. You know, there's a massive debate about B-teams and feeder clubs in the UK, but actually it's going on already. Mm. It's already in, here. In Europe. Elsewhere, and, yeah. and, and, and you know you need to watch what happens at Hull now with Chelsea players because we know that Slutsky is very close to Abramovich. Are we going to see five, six Chelsea players there? I mean, your feeder clubs are being created by by stealth mm. at the moment, and and City have definitely got this kind of traders' attitude of a network of clubs that they can uh, they they can just place players at sometimes for political reasons, I think, rather than developmental reasons. Um, it, it always comes back to the manager's position, and Guardiola patently has to deliver this year. 
and has to, you know, feels under pressure. You can I was speaking to him at the end of last season. He's quite thin-skinned. He, he knows he's under pressure now. Um, so he may not take those risks with the players. But I, I just think he's got to. I, th I think he's got to for the club, and I think he's got to if he is going to really be the Pep Guardiola that he's, he's, he's supposed to be. Mm. You know Leicester very well, John. Yeah. The Ionacho, they talk of £25 million mm. pound transfer. That's a very good example of what you just talked about, the sort of storing of talent and then cashing in when, when they, when they yeah. Um, see fit. Yeah, and, and Kalecci is potentially a, a 25 goal a season striker. He's potentially a, a, a Lukaku. He's maybe not got a fantastic all rounded game, but he's certainly a terrific, nerveless young sort of finisher of the uh, of goals. And he's he's the kind that Manchester City might end up having to try and buy back for 50, 60 million. Um, it's uh, it, it's interesting how the clubs underneath the top ones are trying to operate. And I think Leicester are painfully now trying to do what Spurs have done, albeit they're spending a little bit more money on these young players, but, but try and pick up these off-cuts. Like Maguire at the back. Yeah, like mm. Maguire at the back. And, um, you know, if, if, there's ever, if, 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 if there was ever a market for Loftus-Cheek, I'm sure that, that they'd, they'd be in for him. But there's a few clubs now trying to do that. Mm. Watford have done it. They, you know, they've got Will Hughes in from the under-21s. Mm. It does seem, you hear a lot about Nat Chaloba going from Chelsea for about five million. That's right. Actually, which has seemed to me damn good business. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I think this still this is one of the crazy points, Mark. If you look at Watford's business and they've had a high turnover, not just in managers but also you know in players. I think the managerial appointment was really smart in that they they struck very quickly, got him because I think people, particularly for instance Crystal Palace, were mm. wanting a sort of beauty parade of who's available and let's this and have we spoken and can we get to that, etc. Watford struck and, and got, in my opinion, a very good appointment, let's see. But the other weird thing that's happening in this transfer market is, you think back to the start of the Premier League where Shearer is a £3.5 million yeah. pound player and you go, and you suddenly look at where we are now, including the quantum mm. for Lukaku, etc. Now, it reflects, A, the commercial value of the Premier League, clearly with TV deals, what they're selling sponsorships for, how much fans are paying to get in, you know, the mm. fans are all part of that thing. So you've got these incredible figures of what they're getting. But I tell you what, if you actually were smart, as Watford have been with a couple of their signings, there, there are good buys still out there, but the clubs are almost intoxicated, yeah. they're drunk by, we've got all this money, and I, I know somebody mm. at Man United can, well, we've got all this, what's wrong with just going, bosh, yeah. Bill, you're better off with a sense of value for your, mm. your 100 million or whatever. Well, if you're a young coach, yeah. part of the challenge is actually working on the grass with these kids. Absolutely. To make yeah. So, as a point, case in point, Paul Clement yeah. at Swansea, I think he'll have a good season. Yeah, what do you think? I agree. I th he, he's already shown the ability to improve a team in, in, in a short space of time. We know his, his record has been built as a coach, not as a personality, not as a big name. Um, and he's, he's made a couple of signings that look quite shrewd. You know, the, the, I think Mesa, the, the Spanish mm -hmm. midfielder. Tammy Abraham and other Chelsea boys. Tammy Abraham is, is, you know, he, he's, a, he's a lad that's going to come and score goals. I'm pretty sure of that, 25-26 last year for Bristol City. And he chose them ahead of Newcastle and, and Brighton. So, you know, he, obviously he's got confidence in, in what they're building. I, I think he will be I think he will be good. And I think what, what impressed me about Clement was he understands what Swansea are about. Um, he understands the kind of football that they, they've played that's made them successful. And Mesa, for example, is mm. a, a signing very, very much in that mould. Mm. 
at least there's a strategy there. Now I look at West Ham, yeah. and they're all over the road. Let's let's be honest yeah. about it. Uh, Hernandez going there. What do you think? Well, yes, I can see it. Yes, you can see parts of his sort of career history that you go, or that he did really well there, or the sort of goals he was finishing. But he seems to be one of those players who lives in the sort of Swiss Alps in that he's up at the <laughs> top of the game, then he plunges into this deep valley and you mm. see him and you think, what's going on? The bit that troubled me the most about West Ham, and, and please, I don't know, you know, from their recruitment people or the manager, if this was the direct link between players, but I see the attempt to sign Giroud can understand that, mm. get it, right? And then when they don't get Giroud, it comes out, oh, they've turned their attention to Ayanacho. Now, for me, nobody mm. with a sane view of foot can be thinking of if we're not getting Giroud, so you surely go good to point, get a it's similar... Tra it's transfer bingo. That's Absolutely good right. And, and, and now, as I say, this is my observer view of it. Maybe internally they're saying, well, actually, we did, did go make a bid that day for mm. somebody of a similar physical stature of a style to Giroud. But let's just say West Ham appear to be on this, let's get a striker, even though it's nothing like the people that you wanted. Mm. You know, it's not, it doesn't tally with mm. that type of player. They've also been linked with Theo Walcott, haven't they? Mm. Yeah, mm. correct. Again. But do you just will he stay at Arsenal, by the way? I think he probably will, because he's, he's, he's paid really well there. Um, and he's, he, yeah, he, he's, just a, he's just a nice laid-back lad. I don't think he's going to create any... Any trouble to to try and leave? Uh, he's been there for ten years, mm. so he's, yeah, I think I think I think he will. I think he'll probably score fifteen goals again this season. He'll have periods where he looks brilliant. He'll get injured, and you know, we, we, we miss out on the England team. <laughs> <laughs> just on West Ham, I want thing just yeah. to say. If you're not getting Ayanacho, I can see why you go for Hernandez. If you sit those yeah, two, yeah, they, they, there they, is they a work, link there. But it was just this Giroud and his style dropping into, mm. oh no, we're going to go for Ayanacho now. Crazy. Yeah, I think Giroud's had a raw deal. Yeah. Well, if you look at if you look at Lacazette, you know, who he's a really good finisher, but he's you know he's he, he's not he's not the all-round striker. You know, he's, he's obvious limitations, crudenesses to his game. It's exactly a description of Olivier Giroud. You know, so and and who keeps Lacazette out of the French team, by the way? Mm. So he's a, he is in a very odd position, and he's got a very odd relationship with Arsenal fans, who seem to groan when he comes on. But I I, I always see him digging them out of holes and and and, and yeah, scoring cool. late goals. It's it's a it's a funny one. He's going to be a very very good signing for somebody, I think. And mm. I think Everton are interested in him, and you could see him being that that Everton number nine. Mm. Right, looking at the um, promoted teams. Mm. Huddersfield's spending a lot of money mm. uh, on a lot of players. And keeping their gate fees down. Ticket that's, prices, that's season good, ticket holes. We salute them for that. They've been great with their, the fans who've been with mm. them. But sorry, Mike. Yeah. yeah, so you've got that. Brighton, yeah. again, quite frugal. They're looking at Izzy Brown, yet another Chelsea mm. kid who will never play for Chelsea. No. Um, what intrigues me most, though, is Newcastle. Mm. They've got mm. Florian Lejeune. This isn't what Rafa Benitez was promised, was it? No, but intriguingly, you've got the club with the the sort of support and the capacity in terms of gates to actually be better than the normal newly promoted, you know, we are what we are sort of thing. So you would imagine they should have a better picture than that. I hadn't realised that Newcastle, 
traditionally never sign anybody in under Mike Ashley's regime or anybody else till after July 1st when the new contracts kick mm. in and you have to pay them. So there is this sort of view that Newcastle like doing late business to, mm. to save however many weeks of paying some of the ludicrous uh, <laughs> wages that we have to pay. But we've said it on here before, you yeah. don't mess Benitez around. You don't. Do you? You don't, and, and this, 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 these next few weeks will, will define whether yeah. he stays there or not, because he will walk away. He is not going to muck about Rafa. And he spent the, the first sort of month, month and a half of the, of, of, of the summer getting, working really hard on deals, which isn't his responsibility, but he felt he needed to, to, to get personally involved because he knows mm. what the Premier League required and had three or four deals, including Tammy Abraham, Abraham, ready for completion. But then to, when you take it upstairs to, to get Ashley and Lee Charnley to, to actually press the button, that, then it becomes a different matter at Newcastle. Um, but they know that, you know, he, he's made Ashley and Charnley aware of, of, of his discontent about that. And if they don't now give him two or three signings that he wants, I think he will walk. Mm. We talked a lot about money, a bit of cynicism, a lot of commercialism. So when I end this with a reflection on um, Bradley Lowry mm -hmm. who passed away last week for six years old when he left us a light went out in an awful lot of people's lives how sort of symbolically if you like is it uh, how important is it symbolically that the impact he made shouldn't be lost well I think that you saw the impact that young boy had with Jermaine Defoe who was a senior you know England international with a lot of years on the clock but had been around football his life he admits and they were his words say Bradley Lowry transformed the life of a 30 odd year old mm. footballer you then saw the impact that Bradley with that wonderful smile had on everybody he met and the crowds that he would be introduced to mm. be it up at Sunderland and then when he came down to Wembley and it was was a mascot there I just hope that through all the coming months of this season and maybe years beyond, people remember the values that Bradley Lowry and his family showed us in football and those are the real values that we should be aiming to follow, not being driven aside by the greed and the ability to just make more and more money because that boy can be the epitome yeah. of what's good in English football. Perspective in one word. Absolutely. I, I, I think that's beautifully said. and, and we are inclined to be cynical about the game and the game's inclined to behave cynically, but looking at the, the, the wonder on that child's face, um, you know, walking out on the pitch with Jermaine Defoe, just meeting his idol, it reminded you of the, 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 where we all started with football, I think, the, you know, the wonderment and, and the magic that, 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 that it created for us as kids and, and that it does still create, even in the life of, of, of something so short and an eternally old child, but the happiness that being in that environment was bringing him. Now, we should remember that. We should remember that that is why we're all here in the first place. And, and we can't control how football behaves. We can't control agents, transfer cynicism and so on. But um, perspective, it's worth us remembering that as, as football fans and, and football writers. Jermaine Defoe put it best. Sleep tight, little one. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. <laughs>